Okay, in order to fit this whole thing in tonight, we're going to have to move quickly. We're going to do a lot of flipping. So stay with me. But if I lose you, raise your hand and say, what was that verse? And I'll repeat it and I'll try and kind of keep you up. But we're going to have to flip quickly. And let me just put it in perspective, okay? Everything was restored in the order of its importance. First vision restored the knowledge and nature of God. That is first and foremost the most important part of the restoration is we know who God is. Second came the Book of Mormon. The restoration is truth, is the second center point of the restoration. We know who God is. We know his plan. We know his purposes. We know his truth. That then led to priesthood. We have to have authority. So with keys, with priesthood, with priesthood blessings, with power and authority available on earth, we can now organize a church. So, knowledge of God, restoration of truth, restoration of priesthood, organization of a church. And we talked last time about the, the, the key holder, the watchman on the tower, and why we need a prophet. Today, what I want to do is big picture vision of why there is a church on earth, and what are we supposed to do. I want you to see where we're going, what you're a part of. And I want you to understand that it's something glorious. So when Caitlin goes to El Salvador as a missionary, I want her to understand I am part of something and I've seen the vision of where we're going. And so when they throw rocks at her or bologna sandwiches at her, she's going to say, you know what? I understand your opposition, but I know the vision. So let me take you to the vision of Zion and why we are called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day saints. Why would you call something latter day? What is it not? The end. Latter day saints suggest what? We come before the end and we have an assignment. And I want to start with rainbows. We have to start with the sign of the rainbow. Now, I'm guessing most of you have been taught to believe something that is false. What is the sign of the rainbow? What do rainbows say? What is it that we have been taught to believe? Now, I'm going to tell you it's, it's false, but what is it that we've been taught to believe? Rachel? God will never that God will never destroy the earth. Or flood or destroy. The rainbow we have been taught to believe is a sign that he won't do what he just did. And it is the exact opposite. The rainbow is a sign that he will do what he just did. When does he give the sign of the rainbow? When does he give the sign of the rainbow? When he did what? He took all the righteous and saved them. And then those who chose not to come were destroyed. He warned and warned and warned. And he took all of the righteous into a city, right? They built a city. And they invited anyone who would. Anyone who wants to come can come into the city. And we're going to take this city and we're going to lift it off the earth. And then the earth is going to be destroyed. So tell me what the sign of the rainbow is. 
not that he won't do that, but that he will do that exact same thing. The sign of the rainbow is we will once again build a city that all the righteous will come into. And that city will be saved when the rest of the earth is destroyed. There was a city of Enoch and there will be another one. And connecting those two cities is what? A rainbow. Turn with me to the JST of Genesis chapter 9. Let's read what the rainbow really means. Because Joseph restored it. Old Testament. Genesis chapter 9. Um, you're going to have to go to your footnote. So find the verse find, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 16. I think it's in 16. Look at the footnote that sends you to the JST of Genesis 9, 21 through 25. Can you find that? Tap on that link, or if you've got print scriptures, go to your appendix where we've put all the, the larger JST. General rule is if it was larger than nine lines, it's in the appendix. This is a lengthy one, so it's in the appendix. So if you have electronic scriptures, tap on it and then open it up. So we are in the JST, Genesis 9, 21 through 25. Ready? What is the real meaning of the rainbow? Who wants to read for me? 21, let's just stop at 23. Anyone want to read? Caitlin. Whoa, 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 whoa. I will remember the covenant that. This is the covenant that the rainbow reminds God of. Keep going. So when men shall keep all my commandments, Zion should again come, in, come on the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. And this is mine everlasting covenant, that when my prosperity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth, and shall have place until the end come. And this is my everlasting covenant, which I made with my father. That's what God remembers. That in the early days of this earth, he gathered out all the righteous into a city, the city of Enoch. How long did he invite them to join them? How long? How much effort? What did he do to invite anyone who wanted to into that city? So how many people were saved from the flood? Don't say eight. How many people were saved from the flood? Millions. How were they saved from the flood? Boom, they were in that city. They were in this city and they avoided the destruction of the flood. Now, do you see the pattern? What's the pattern, Justin? He's going to do the exact same thing, right? He is going to gather all the righteous into a city. And he's going to invite the entire world. And we're going to plead with everyone, join us, come to the city. It's the only place you'll be safe in the latter days. Come to the city. We are going to build the greatest city this earth has ever known. And we're going to invite the whole world to come join that city. And someday, 
we will have another city. And these two are going to be connected. They will come back and join this one. And what will happen to everyone else that won't come to Zion? They will be destroyed. They will destroy each other. They will turn against each other. Did we do that last time? Nephi was allowed to see the end of the world. Did we talk about that? That Nephi was, al- Justin, that's when he wrote his summary. That's what he caught. I loved that. That, ev- that good doesn't win in the end. Good doesn't defeat evil in the end. How does the world end? Evil destroys evil. Well, where is good? Where is Zion when evil's destroying the evil? It's safe. It's safe. Can I give you an example? Let me give you a little mini example of what God did. Okay, United States. Where's the church start? Here. What's going to happen here shortly after the church is organized? They are going to destroy each other. So what does God do? What does he do? He sends them out and then they destroy each other. Do you see the pattern? It repeats itself over and over and over again. He is not destroying evil. Evil is destroying evil. And he is taking anyone that will follow and he's sending them to a safe place. That's the pattern. That's what you're a part of, is building a city that's going to make the world a safe place. No one's going to be harmed. We sing it. None shall molest. We are building the city of Enoch. And they're going to come back. And it will be the safest place on this planet. And everyone else is just going to destroy each other. Now, let's talk about where we are in the building of that city. Where are we? Answer, we're paused. Let's see if we can understand why we're paused and what we're supposed to be doing while we're paused. So let me take you back to the early days. Let's let's go back and let's be Joseph Smith's day. Let's pretend we've come into the early days of the church and we start reading the Book of Mormon. And as we read the Book of Mormon, we start reading things in the book that start catching our attention. For example, turn to 3 Nephi chapter 16. Let me walk you through what they started to see when they started to read the Book of Mormon. 3 Nephi 16. Jesus comes to America And he immediately starts telling a story. And he starts using interesting words. Verse 9, what's the word that jumps off the page in verse 5? 3 Nephi 16, verse 5, Jesus says he will gather. I will gather them. In from where? I will gather them in from the four quarters of the earth. We're going to gather. Verse 7, when's it going to happen? When does Jesus tell them this gathering is going to happen? Now, if you lived in Joseph Smith's day and you're reading 3 Nephi 16, tell me what you begin to think. 
Is that us? Latter days? They start to get excited, right? Wouldn't you? Okay, he continues the story in chapter 20. Go to 3 Nephi chapter 20. He starts using the same words. In telling the story, verse 6, verse 13, he tells about the scattering and then the gathering. Verse 14, he drops another hint. What does he say in verse 14? The gathering will be in this land, not the old Jerusalem, in this land. Verse 18, I will gather my people together. Verse 22, let's read this one. If I'm in Joseph Smith's day and I'm reading the Book of Mormon, man, this verse catches my attention. Someone read verse 22. Jesus tells the Nephites, who'll read? We're going to build a new Jerusalem in this land. Wait a minute, is that us? Joseph, is that us? I've gathered to the church, is that? Do you see how they kind of got excited? Go to chapter 21. What does Jesus tell the Nephites had to happen first? Read verse 4 and see if you can see a humongous thing that had to be accomplished before we can ever build the city. No way we build that city without... Without what in verse 4? Without the Constitution of the United States of America. No way we build that city without the Constitution. So, again, check that one off the box. Here I am in 1830. We've done that. Verse 9. For in that day, for my sake, will the Father work a work which shall be a great and a marvelous work. When does Jesus use that phrase, great and marvelous? He, he did section 4, 10, 11, 14, and then he stopped. Section 4, a great and marvelous work is about to come forth. Verse 10, section 10, a great and marvelous work is about to come forth. Section 12, a great and marvelous, no, 11, and then 12, and then 14, and then after 14, he stopped saying that. Because the great and marvelous work came forth, which was the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. Check. Now, verse 10, if you had to pinpoint verse 10 to a single individual, which individual would you say Jesus was telling the Nephites about? The life of my servant shall be in my hand, therefore they shall not hurt him, though he shall be marred because of them. Yet I will heal him, for I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. He will use that exact phrase to describe the loss of the 116 pages. So if you had to pinpoint that to an individual, which I don't think we do, but if you had to, who's the individual? Joseph Smith. Jesus told the Nephites about the Constitution, about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, and about Joseph Smith. And then he said, verse 12, My people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, in the midst of them as a lion. That's the Micah 5 prophecy. Jump down to verse 22. What else? does he say, is coming. Third Nephi 21, 22, he says, I will 
establish my church among them. And what happened on April 6th, 1830? Now, are you starting to get excited if you're an early saint? Are you starting to wonder, is this us? And then in verse 23, he says, we're going to build the city. We're going to build a new Jerusalem. He says it twice in verse 23 and 24. We're going to build a city. Notice that in verse 23, that they may build a city. Just like Enoch did. A city of safety for the latter days. Now, I, for one, would be very excited if I lived in Joseph Smith's day. Now, notice some other things. Go to Ether. Go to the book of Ether. We're going back thousands of years. Tower of Babel, then they come to America, the Jaredites. Just as the Jaredites go into apostasy, Ether is describing his people go into apostasy. What does he take an entire chapter to talk about in verse thir chapter 13? He interrupts the story of the fall of the Jaredites to talk about. He got excited about the thought that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. His people failed, but someone won't fail. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. So tell me that wouldn't catch your attention. Tell me you wouldn't start asking Joseph Smith questions about it. Now watch what he does. Now let's turn to the Doctrine and Covenants. Watch what he does to just kind of lay this out. Let's start in, verse, in section 28. It all begins in section 28 when the first missionaries are called. This is where Oliver Cowdery is going to go with Parley P. Pratt, and they're going to go on a mission to the Lamanites. Now, where are the Lamanites relative to Joseph Smith? Here we are in New York. Where are the Lamanites? They're pretty much west. So in section 28... Sorry, let me get to 28. This is where he calls the missionaries out. And he says in verse 9, he starts dropping hints. What's the hint he drops in verse 9? You guys want to help me read or should I read? I can read I'm happy to read, but read okay. Verse 9. 28.9 28, 28, is our first hint. Here we go. And now behold, I say unto you that it is not revealed, and no man knoweth where the city of Zion shall be built, but it shall be given hereafter. Behold, I say unto you that it shall be upon the borders by the Lamanites. And what are they doing? What is Oliver Cowdery and Parley Prepat doing? They're going out west to the Lamanites. So he drops the first hint. I haven't revealed it yet. It will, I will reveal it, and it will be out on the borders of the Lamanites. Now, would you be getting a little excited? Knowing all of this is going to happen, I think they just started to assume it was going to happen in their day. Now, next one. Jump to, let's go to section 42. When they get to Ohio, he sends them to Ohio and he says, I'm going to give you my law. And then when they get to Ohio, verse 9, section 42, verse 9, he drops another hint. Someone else read, please. 42.9. Until the time shall come when it shall be revealed unto you from on high, when the city of the new Jerusalem shall be prepared, 
that ye may be gathered in one, and that ye may be my people, and I will be your God. Boy, we're going to gather the world that will come into a city, and I will be your God. All right, jump to 40. No, let's stay in 42, but go to verse 35. The next hint, section 42, verse 35 and 36. Someone else read. Jay, 35 and 36. And for the purpose of purchasing lands for the public benefit of the church and the building houses of worship and the building up of the new Jerusalem, which is hereafter to be revealed, that my covenant people may be gathered in one in that day when I shall come to my temple. And this I do for the salvation of my people. So we're going to need a lot of money. We've got to start saving a lot of money because we've got to buy a lot of land so that we have a place to gather when I come. Same section, jump to section or verse 62. Someone else read. 4262. He just keeps dropping all these hints about the city we're going to build. He starts talking about, I'm going to reveal it. If you ask, I'll tell you. If you ask where it's going to be, I'll tell you. Now jump to 45. He reveals a whole lot in section 45. Let's start in 11. Section 45, verse 11. Wherefore, hearken ye together, and let, and let me show unto you even my wisdom, the wisdom of him whom ye say is the God of Enoch. Interesting that he starts bringing up Enoch. And his brethren, who were separated from the earth and were received unto myself, a city reserved until a day of righteousness shall come, a day which was sought for by all holy men, and they found it not because of wickedness and abomination, but confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. All right, jump to verse 66. Section 45, verse 66. T listen to this description and tell me you wouldn't want to be part of this. Tell me you don't now want to be part of this. Ready? Starting in 66. It shall be called the New Jerusalem. A land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety. For the saints, for the Most High God, the glory of the Lord shall be there and the terror of the Lord shall be there. What does that mean, that the terror of the Lord shall be there? Well, he says, insomuch that the wicked will not dare come to it. The wicked won't dare touch it. They'd rather run away. The wicked will not come to Zion. It shall be called Zion. It shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety. So this planet is going to get to the point where everyone else is fighting. And if you don't want to fight, where do you have to go? You have to go to Zion. It's the only place where they won't be fighting. But they won't be fighting in Zion. He says in verse 69, there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war with another. God will create a safe place. And while everyone else is destroying each other, there will be a safe place. 
Jump to 71. It shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. This city will be the most, the safest, the most culturally diverse, the most technologically advanced city on earth. And we will sing and we will dance and we will be safe. And it's the only place on earth you're ever going to find that safety. Now, wouldn't you, has any piqued your curiosity in 2023? And if you lived in their days, wouldn't you be saying, wait a minute, I want to be part of this. Okay, section 48. Section 48. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Someone else read. 48, 4, 5, and 6. Some of the requirements. Okay, so two things come out of that. What does he say? Number one, we're going to need a lot of money. This church has been criticized lately because people found out that we have $100 billion in savings. Oh, they don't need my tithing. Do you understand why we have $100 billion in savings? It's not nearly enough for what we need to do. We need to build a city and we're going to have to purchase all that land. Now, the second thing, you know what he just said? I haven't revealed it, but there are men today when they get back i will tell you where it is it's getting close there are people who will be appointed very shortly to know so then he sends missionaries or he sends them to this place where no one had ever heard go to section 52 section 52 verse 2 Someone read it. 52, verse 2, please. Saying, I, the Lord, will make known unto you that I will that ye shall do from this time until the next conference, which shall be held in Missouri upon the land which I will consecrate unto my people, which are the remnant of, of Jacob and those who are heirs according to the covenant. Whoa, that's a huge bomb. He says, we're going to Missouri. The next conference is going to be in Missouri. And then he says, upon the land which I will consecrate unto my people. We're going out to Missouri. Now get out there, Joseph, and I'll tell you where it's going to happen. So now go to section Um. Let's go to, well, there's a couple things in between. Let me, can I just show you one? Section 54, verse 10. I want to point this out. Be patient in tribulation until I come. He starts talking about that. Just notice that. But go to section 57. This is the big one. Section 57 is the big one. Section 
Notice where we are. Where was section 57 given? Jackson County. Independence, Jackson County, Missouri. And when they get there, what does he say? Verse 1. Hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, who have assembled yourselves together according to my covenant in the land which is the land of Missouri, which is the land I have appointed and consecrated for the gathering of my saints. Wherefore, this is the land of promise and the place for the city of Zion. This is it. Jackson County, Missouri. This is it. So what do you need to start doing? Verse 4. Start buying the land. Start buying the land. So he announces, this is where we're going to build that city, the city of safety. Now go to section 58. He immediately starts saying what? In 1 through 5. As soon as he announces where Jackson County is, what does he begin to say? One through five. What is he saying? They're going to have struggles. After much tribulation come the blessings. He says in verse 5, Remember this which I tell you before, that you may lay it to heart and receive that which is to follow. Now, why are they going to struggle? Verse 19, and this is where we now begin to perk our ears. I believe this story was not for them. I believe this story is for us. Are you paying attention? He is telling them a story for us. Why is there going to be tribulation in Zion in their day? Verse 19. Do you see it? What do you see? Why is there going to be tribulation in Zion? You cannot build a celestial city until... You are a celestial people. You cannot build a celestial city until you are a celestial people. That is going to be the root of the problem. Now, do you understand why he's telling the story? Who's he speaking to? Is he speaking to the people who tried and failed or is he speaking to the people who will succeed? Do you understand why this means so much to me? You can't build a celestial city until you are a celestial people, and they weren't. And that's going to be the root of the problem. They never learned that lesson. And so he's not telling this story to them. He's telling the story to us. Now, verse 44, I think, is a hint. I think 44 tells us, a whole lot. He says, now, verily I say concerning the residue of the elders of my church, the time has not yet come for many years for them to receive their inheritance in this land, except they desire it through the prayer of faith, only as it shall be appointed unto them of the Lord. What's he starting to hint at? 
You ain't going to do it, folks. I'd love you to try. I'd love you to succeed, but you're not going to do it. Because the one lesson they never learned, you cannot build a celestial city if you're not a celestial people. So when does he, give me the date, when does he identify Zion? It's summer of 18? 1833. What month? June or July? July, right? July. So July of 1833, he identifies Zion. Now, jump to section... Sixty-three. No, let's not do that one. There's so many we've got to skip. Um, let's go to 64. 68. No, 64. 64. 64 is the first one. Now, verse 30. Notice that looking back, I think we can read into these words something for us. 64 verse 30, he has set you to provide for his saints in these last days. That's a celestial rule. Take care of each other. That they may obtain an inheritance in the land of Zion. I, the Lord, declare unto you, and my words are sure and shall not fail, that they shall obtain it, but all things must come to pass in their time. How do you read that today? Not going to happen right now. Because, look at verse 35. It's now what? When is 64 given? September. I said 33, I meant 31, right? It's now September of 31. And what word is he already associating with Zion? Look at verse 35. They are what? Rebellious. It's been what? August? It's been two months? It's been two months and he's already saying the rebellious shall be cut off. Go to 68. Give me the next word he starts to associate. Look at verse 31. Let's read this one. Section 68, verse 31 and 32. So he tells them where Zion's going to be built. He tells them that they have to live a celestial law if they're going to build a celestial city. And they start rebelling. And who read verse 31 and 32? 68, 31 and 32. Now, are there being are they being telestial? Are they being sinful telestial people? No, he's not describing a sinful people. But what aren't they? They're not celestial. They are a good people but they are not celestial. So Oliver, you go out. Later on, he sends Joseph out. All right, let's jump to 82. He starts pleading, verse 14 and 15. What is he talking about in 82? Zion must increase in beauty, in holiness. Her borders must be enlarged. Her stakes must be strengthened. Yea, verily I say unto you, Zion must arise and put on her beautiful garments. Do you, see her, do you hear him pleading? 
Guys, do you understand what we're trying to do? Do you catch the vision of what we're trying to do? You've got to be a celestial people to do this. Zion has to increase in beauty. And it's not happening. Let's go to 80. Let's go to 85. Well, let's do one in 84. I think there's a lot more to this than we could talk about, but we'll just briefly look at verse 54, 84, 54. Your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have done what? Treated lightly lightly the things that you have received. Specifically, verse 57, what had they treated lightly? Or the Book of Mormon. You have treated your handbook on how to build Zion lightly. It's not going to work. 85. I think 85 is a hint as to what's going on. Look at verse 3. Now this is a rebuke. So we're going to turn the rebuke into a positive. But this is the rebuke. It, it, It is contrary to the will and commandment of God that those who receive not their inheritance of consecration or by consecration agreeable to the law which he has given that he may tithe his people to prepare them against the day of vengeance and burning should have their names enrolled with the people of God. It's not going to happen if you think you can sneak in without the law of consecration. You cannot have an inheritance of Zion if you're not willing to consecrate everything. So what does that sound like is happening in Zion? Hey, I want to be there. Can I participate? Just don't ask me to sacrifice everything. And what's the Lord saying? Now, I hate to say it, but how many members of the church would say the same thing? I want to be part of all this, but don't ask me to be fully faithful to all my covenants. Do you see what he's trying to say? Do you see why they're going to fail? You think you can be part of this? Without fully living the law of consecration, you can't. Don't think you can. Do you see the rebuke here? All right, let's get to them getting kicked out. Get to section 97. There's other things we could talk about in the way, but we got to get to the end. Section 97 is after the mobs have started to tar and feather the leaders of the church in Jackson County. The mob is determined to kick them out and they have started to tar and feather and the leading brethren have signed an agreement to leave. They've agreed to leave Zion. And the Lord says, it's not over. It's not over. He gives them an out. Section 97 is the out. Verse 10. Tell me what he told them would still work what could they do to still make this work section 97 verse 10 build a temple and verse 11 do we do that do we build temple speedily we really don't we take our time right but you build this temple as fast as you can and if you do that what does he say verse 25 what does he say Zion shall escape. It's not too late. Build a temple. 
and Zion shall escape. Did they build a temple? Did they build a temple? They did not. Did they dig the foundations? They did not. Now, in Kirtland, contrast that, in, in section 95, now I'll admit, I wonder if things would have been different if Joseph had been in Zion. Because where's Joseph? Joseph's in Kirtland. And in section 95, they were rebuked for not building the temple. Four days after that rebuke, Hiram goes out and starts digging the foundation with his bare hands. Did they do that in Jackson County? They did not. And they were kicked off their land. They left Zion. And they got kicked out. And they asked why. Now, the Lord's going to answer. But tell me who he's talking to. Is it clear to you who he's talking to? He's talking to you. This is why they failed. Section 101. Section 101. Let's start in verse 6. Who wants to read 6? Why did they not... Why did we fail? Why did we as a church not build this glorious city? Do you see the irony? We're going to build a city that the wicked are going to be scared to come to. And instead, what happened? We ran away with our tails between our legs. Because why? Verse 6. Who will read it? Section 101. Let's start in verse 6. Brianna. Behold, I see unto you and contentions and iron constructs and lustful and covetous desires among them. Therefore, by these things... Now, did he say there was adultery and murder and lasciviousness? Is he saying they are a wicked telestial people? No. Are they good people? Would you even say they're great people? What's he saying? You're not celestial. You're not celestial. And then he gives a parable. Let me see if I can explain what happened in Zion in a parable. Jump to 50 or 43. 101, 43. Now I will show unto you a parable that you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. He tells them a story. A certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice. What was the spot of land? Jackson County. And he said unto his servants, Go ye into the vineyard, and even upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees, and set watchmen. That's singular, right? Set watchmen about the, them, and build a tower that one may overlook the land round about and be a watch man. That's singular. Without reading any more, tell me one thing that's going to be absolutely essential to build Zion. You've got to have a prophet. And you've got to have a tower. What's the tower they never built? A temple. They didn't follow a prophet. 
and they didn't build a temple. He said, build a tower that one may overlook the land and be a watchman, that mine olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and take upon themselves the fruit of the vineyard. Now the servants of the noblemen went and did as their Lord commanded. So they went out to Jackson County and they planted the olive tree and be, built a hedge about it and set watchman and began to build the tower. And while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower? And they consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, What need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? Might not the money be given to the exchangers, for there is no need of these things? Now forgive me, but that sounds like the church today. I don't know if we've learned the lesson. We don't need these things. And while they were at variance one with another, they became very slothful. And they hearkened not unto the commandments of the Lord. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge. And the servants of the nobleman arose and were affrighted and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive tree. Now behold, the nobleman of the Lord, the Lord of the vineyard called upon his servants and said, Why? What is the cause of your great evil? Ought you not to have done even as I commanded you? And after you had planted the vineyard and built the hedge round about and set watchmen upon the walls thereof, shouldn't you have built the tower and set a watchman upon the tower and watched for my vineyard and not have fallen asleep, lest the enemy should come upon you. Behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy when he was yet afar off. Did Joseph see the enemy? Did Joseph see that there would be tribulation in Jackson County? But they didn't listen. Do you see why we, talk, why we talked about that last week? We'll never build Zion if we do not know how to follow a prophet in a day of peace. Verse 55, the Lord of the vineyard said, go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of mine house, which are my warriors. And he begins to talk about what we're going to do now. Go to section 103. Section 103, he says, gather up an army and go out to Jackson County. Gather an army and go out there. Now, they thought it was a physical army that was going out to, fort to get their lands back. That journey of this group of people from Kirtland, Ohio to Jackson County, Missouri is one of the most phenomenal pieces of church history you need to study. That journey is called Zion's Camp. Now, the Lord says, I want 500. Um, where is it? Verse 30, how many did he want? 
How many did he want to go? End of verse 30, I want 500. Verse 32, if you can't get 500, then get 300. Verse 33, if you can't get 300, then get 100. And verse 34, if you can't get 100, then don't go because you're not my people. How many did they get? A little over 200. 200 people. And it will be from this group that they choose the Quorum of the Twelve and the Seventy. This will be the testing ground of the Quorum of the Twelve. And a lot of people fail the test. But this is where the Twelve step forward and show who they are. This is where we choose the 70 from. Zion's camp was a critical piece of church history. So get as many as you can. They only got 200 and they marched out. Now, section 105. Section 105. Can you tell what this means to me? Section 105, verse 2. Were it not for the transgressions of my people, speaking concerning the church and not individuals, they might have been redeemed even now. We could be living in that city today. I could be raising my children in the safest city on earth. If it weren't for the transgressions of my people, verse three, behold, they have not learned to be obedient to the things which I require at their hands, but are full of all manner of evil and do not impart of their substance as becometh saints to the poor and the afflicted. What kind of law is that? It's not a terrestrial law. That's a, it's a celestial law. And verse four, they are not united according to the union required by the law of the celestial kingdom. There it is. You cannot build a celestial city unless you are a celestial people. And they weren't. They weren't a celestial people. They were not united by the principles and the laws of the celestial kingdom. Verse 5, Zion cannot be built up unless it is by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Otherwise, I cannot receive her unto myself. That verse needs to have lights around it. You cannot build a celestial city unless you're a celestial people. Therefore, verse 6, you want to know how the rest of church history is going to go? My people must needs be chastened until they learn obedience. If it must needs be by the things which they suffer. He's waiting. He is waiting for the group of people who will do it. And this church is going through some tough times until we learn the lesson. Therefore, verse 9, in consequence of the transgressions of my people, it is expedient in me that mine elders shall wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. So what's the year? June of 1834, he pushed the pause button. 
We're not going to build Zion right now. Pause. And so what do we need to do? When will he unpause? It's been almost 200 years. We're approaching 200 years of the pause. And what is it that we need to do? Let's read it. Verse 9, 10 and 11. Section 105, 10 and 11. When will he unpause us and we will start progressing to building that city? 10 and 11. That they themselves may be prepared and that my people may be taught more perfectly and have experience and know more perfectly concerning their duty and the things which I require at their hands. Okay, so very simply, let me erase this because I want this in big bold letters. No way we build Zion until we are better. And verse 11, that requires, keep going, verse 11. And this cannot be brought to pass until my elders are endowed with power from on high. What's he saying? You'll never be better as a, tem- uh, as a temple. You'll never be better as a church until, until temples dot this earth. The only way to become a celestial people is through temple covenants. The very purpose of temple covenants is to become celestial. There comes a moment in the temple where we form a circle. And that circle is very symbolic of the city of Zion. And we're never going to do it until we can all form that circle. We've got to be better. And that requires temples. So what have we been doing during the almost 200 years? We've been dotting the earth with temples. There was a time where you only got a temple if you could pay for it and you had enough people to support it. And we've long since passed those days. Where are we building temples now? What are the chances any of those places paid for their own temple? Not a chance. The Lord is now saying what? We've got to get them. We've got to get them there and we'll figure out a way to pay for them. We've got to build temples. We will never build Zion until we become a celestial people through the temples, through the covenants of our temples. Therefore, get out and build the temples. Now, there's one more he mentions. Let's go to 31. 31, 32. Anyone else want to read? 105, 31, and 32. So one requirement is better. 31, 32. What do we need? We got to get bigger. We got to get bigger. And that means what? What does that mean, Caitlin Barton? Missionaries. Missionaries. We got to get better. 
And we've got to get bigger. Now, if I can get personal, I hoped, I had hoped that my generation would build the city. I had really hoped that I would see it, that my generation would see it. I no longer hope that. I hope yours does. I hope you are the people who finally wake up and become a celestial people. I don't think it will be my generation. We had our chance. I think we are wandering in the wilderness. Do you know why they wandered for 40? What were they waiting for? What were they waiting for to go back into the promised land? They're waiting for the rebels to die. They were waiting for a group of people who would live righteously. And I wonder if that's what's happening today. God is waiting for the rebels to die. So I throw the gauntlet down. And I am pleading that your generation be the one. Finally, the one worthy enough to build the city. It will start when you, as a group, decide to do it. And when you say, I'm in, Lord, I'm in. When the temple becomes the very symbol of your membership, when those covenants mean the world to you and you do everything in your power to keep those covenants and you serve missions and you gather the world, when is he going to end the pause and we're going to build the city and get them back? Because I know how the world ends. The world ends by self-destruction and we're going to be safe in Zion. But that city doesn't even exist yet. We've got to build the city. Therefore, any, if you're really going to study the restoration of the gospel, if you're really going to study the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you have to have this sense of tragedy that we're still sitting on pause. And we're waiting for a generation who will live the covenants they've made and will build the city. So many of us are walking in darkness in day. Yeah. Please, if my life means anything to you, build the city for me. Let me see it. Let me see it before I go. Let me see the foundations laid and the bricks starting to be placed on top of each other. 
Do you sense the destiny that we have? Do you feel what you're a part of? Something magnificent. But so much is dependent on getting better and getting bigger. So, do you see the role that temples play? Do you see the role? You see the next, do you see the step ahead of you? I pray for a generation who will rise up and say, I will do it. I believe that is why we have a story in the Book of Mormon about a young group of young people who at the point when everyone else was failing, when they were losing the war, that group does what? That group steps forward and says, we're, out, we're, we're in. And who do they choose as their leader? Who do the stripling warriors choose as their leader? Do they choose Captain Moroni? Do they choose Tiancom? Do they choose a military leader? No. They had so many amazing military leaders. And who did they choose? A prophet. Who had how much military experience? Zip. In fact, the defining moment of his leadership, what does he do? What do you guys want to do? But what was he? A prophet. And then, how did they obey him? What does it say in the Book of Mormon? They did observe to obey with exactness. And when everyone else got destroyed, how many of them got destroyed? None. How many of them should have been destroyed? Every one of them. And then it says, then the Book of Mormon says, Helaman writing to Mormon says, it was to this group of people that we owe this great victory. Now tell me why that story is in the Book of Mormon. There will be a group of youth. There will come a group of youth who say, I'm in. And they will gather and they will follow a prophet and they will give strict heed and they will be preserved miraculously. And someday all of the rest of us will say it is to them that we owe this great victory. I hope church history is a very real thing to you. I hope you sense that you're part of something amazing that is on pause waiting for a group of people to learn the lesson that they didn't learn. I love them. I respect these people more than I can say. And I'm grateful for their failure because it's taught me that we as a people will never build that city, which I long to live in until we are a celestial people. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let me leave you with one last story that I should have included before I testified and turned the recorder off. When they got to Zion, the Lord asked Sidney Rigdon to write a description of it. And he wrote a very ordinary description of the land. And you know what the Lord said? Do it again. In other words, you didn't see it, Sidney. See it. It's not the land. 
see it. I think that is so typical. I think that's so descriptive. That little moment in church history where Sidney was asked to write a description and just described what he saw. And he didn't see it. He didn't see Zion. He saw the land. And the Lord rejected his description and said, write another one. And write one after you see it. So tonight, I hope you see it. And you write a description of it. And you say to yourself, I'm going to be a part of it.